That's fucking right. Don't you dare call it a comeback because we've been here for years. We've also been off for about a half a year. Welcome back to the podcast that you've waited your entire life for. And now we've made you wait seven months since our last recording for. But don't call it a comeback. There's been a lot of stuff going on in people's lives. People get busy. Things happen. You know, there's a Bengals season in between our last podcast. Yeah. And Honestly, it wasn't something we would want to talk about anyway. So no. we can kind of gloss over that and just <laughs> most of a red season. We're just going right into the off season. <laughs> yeah, exactly, the off season for the Bengals has been the most exciting thing to happen last year. Except if we podcasted about the Bengals season, we would have started off with a four and one start and been maybe on the hype train, and then had to pull back a lot of the things that we actually said in the first few weeks of the season as they crumbled and stumbled towards the finish line. I believe it's on record that Bessler said 13-3. and three. <laughs> We're very close. For the Bengals. <laughs> Injuries. Injuries brought us down. But this is why we have a semi-annual podcast, because you know we can just skip right over the Bengals season. No, yeah, no one remembers <laughs> and that. And go right to uh, the great season of the, the Xavier Musketeers. Well, I was going to say, he also said <laughs> right. that they were going to be worse than the 10th seed in the tournament, yeah, which is... Look at the prophetic. <laughs> Nailed it. Must defend ourselves, though, on that chase. We were assuming that Kaiser Gates was going to be right. on that team. He had inside information, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so again, welcome back to Sports Intoxication. We are we're back at it. And I can't tell you when the next one's going to be, but it doesn't matter because you're listening to this one right now. We are recording this podcast on a beautiful coffee table-esque thing that was built for us by the Cincinnati Wood Collaborative. If you need a custom piece of furniture in the Cincinnati area from Wood, go check out what these guys are doing on Facebook. Awesome, awesome stuff. You've probably seen a lot of their work on at local restaurants and breweries because they're outfitting everyone that knows exactly what they're doing by getting awesome, awesome stuff from the Cincinnati Wood Collaborative. So check out what Dave is doing with those guys up there because they're absolutely killing it. And we have a beautiful table down here in the basement that's perfect for a little round table podcast discussion. Well, for Under me. the table to your socks. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, just throwing out just throwing out some advertising stuff. Well, I told him when they made it that I'd get him on the next podcast, and then we didn't do it for six months. Oh, so we're I, back. Yeah, we're back. So there's your shout-out, CWC. Keep listening. And thanks for the table. We love it. But uh, all right, let's jump right into, because we're fresh off a, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, Did we just watch the Bearcats at Center? <laughs> what happened? We watched the Xavier Musketeer team in 2018-2019 play. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, not good. I wanted to call it a disappointing loss, but it wasn't. No. Because I, there's, there's no, no such thing this year. Loss right. this year, other than the Missouri game and the UC game. If you're disappointed in a loss this year, then you have unrealistic expectations, I feel like, because this team just, quite honestly, is not capable of winning games that you think they should win. and I, I, They're not capable about, of scoring consistently. Not, well, yeah, which goes into the fact that or a game like tonight, they're right there, they lose by two, and they probably should have won. They could have won. Could have won. Could have won, and, but also could have lost by... 15. Yeah, and you go back over the last three home games, you're, you're down 10 to Butler with 10 minutes left, and they somehow win that game. You're down 17 to Georgetown. You somehow win that game. It's just not a very good team this year, which is fine. You know, some of us predicted last year that, you know, they weren't going to be very good this year. And Some of us. You know, that's me. Um, <laughs> but 
I think like, you mean one of us. <laughs> well, one of us worked together. We're gonna be good. And that's his Assuming. predictions are pretty good, other than the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bengals the Reds. Was, the Reds last year yeah, too, yeah, by the way. Did. That's true. That was <laughs> uh, the Bengals is a good old, uh, as Marty would say, how we looking. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it is what it is at this point. We've seen what twenty games of this team, and if you're surprised by how they're playing during the course of a game at this point, then you just haven't been paying attention. Every game from here on out is going to be a battle for them to score. Every game is going to be a battle for them to win. And, yeah, they can win every game, but they can certainly lose every game as well. And I, that's just yeah. that's just how it is. I think in the preseason when we were, you know, they're previewing the team, you're looking and you're saying, all right, well, Kyle Castlin's going to come in and be a dependable player. And Ryan Wellage is going to be a 40% three-point shooter that can just spot up and, and knock down two or three threes a game for you. And... Elias Harden's going to be a lot better because he's not going to have people in front of him, and, he, and he's going to be somewhat reliable. And then you don't know what you're going to get out of the freshman. But, but you also you thought that, that Najee Marshall was going to be a star. Well, that's a huge thing, right? Yeah. You make the big assumption. Well, and Quentin Gooden. And you Quentin make, Gooden was going to be. You make the assumption yeah. that people are going to take the leap. Yeah. And the only they person that's taking the leap, the leap I would argue, is Scruggs. They, they, he's taking the leap. The other two haven't. But I'll go back to what I. I probably said at the end of last year. I'm not sure that I did. But as these guys are playing in new roles, they're playing – I mean, it's a completely different team this year where you don't have a Trayvon Blewett, you don't have a J.P. Makira, and quite honestly, you don't have a Sean O'Mara where every time you get the ball on the block, he's going to score. But you do we have a Hanky No, we watched that tonight where – and I love Tyreek Jones, but when he gets the ball on the block, it is – at best, a 50-50 proposition if yeah. he's going to score. It's fair. And it's quite ugly when he doesn't score. My thoughts, as that game was winding down, they had a couple possessions at the end of the game where the ball's pinging around, and they have guys that have open shots, but nobody wants to take a shot. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, I look at the guys that were on the floor last year. If you have – now, obviously, Blewett, Makira, Cantor are all playing professionally. Omero's playing professionally, but even Kaiser Gates – you put those guys on the floor, the ball sprays out, and, and they have half a second. That yeah. shot's going up, and there's a decent chance that it's going in. They just don't have anyone that no, can do they that. Don't. They, don't. No. they don't at all. But I think this team would be so different if you had somebody, and this is going to be... He's first, walking back on his words. First hot take of the night, but this is going to be the first one is that if this team had somebody like a Sean O'Mara, who I will continue to go back to, where you had, by his senior year, if he caught the ball on the block, all three of us would sit here and say that if he caught the ball on the block, we're very confident that he's either going to get scored, that he's either going to score or get fouled. This year's team, you don't have that. I mean, no. Hankins has done a good job, but he's nowhere close to what O'Mara was by the time he was a senior. Well, and the other and thing. That's I'll, a huge thing because the defense, like Providence played tonight in that game, was just, all right, we're going to press you outside because we're not really confident that you can score inside. And I, we know you can't shoot from the outside. So what do you do? Well, you got to yeah. beat him off the dribble. And I and think that's that, where Ryan Wellage comes in. <laughs> <laughs> well, At least once. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but he, had, he had the. 
the little floater on the baseline, and right before that, he had the driving dish. Yeah. So twice, yeah. I mean, he's not the issue on this team. But no, he's not. But he could open up the floor more if he was actually making shots, which he hasn't done. He could open up the floor a lot more if, if you had a reliable scorer on the inside. I think. And absolutely. I think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think O'Mara is ten times better player than what either one of our big guys are right now in terms of scoring, in terms of getting the ball on the block and being confident to score. I could be very wrong on that, but... I'll disagree with that because I think Hankins is very effective and confident and has a soft touch. I I, think there's matchups where he absolutely struggles. I think that Omero's footwork by the time he was a senior year was was elite level to be able to go up and under the jab step and the fake. Like His moves on the block were so much better. I mean, Hankins is great. But Hankins has one move, essentially, it's right a baby now, hook. which is yeah. a baby hook from six to eight feet, which is fine. He yeah. makes it a ton, but That's fair. Okay. he doesn't get fouled. He doesn't get the and ones that O'Mara got. And not that that's a huge deal, but that's three or four points over the course of a game because O'Mara did turn into a very good free throw shooter. And it changes the dynamic of the offense, as well as the fact that nobody on this team... I mean, can shoot a three worth. Yeah, I was gonna say two life. comments. We'll agree like, to disagree. The big guys aren't the problem on this team. No, the, pro- the problem on this I'm, team is they don't have anybody that can score outside of four feet. Uh, correct. I'm just saying the the problem that I see is the fact that teams do not respect the inside game like they might have last year with Amara on the court because I feel like they did last year. Because when he caught the ball on the block, he was going to score because of his moves, the way he was able to pivot his feet. He was good around the basket. And if he was double teamed, this is where that point comes in, is that you had a JP, you had a Trayvon, you had a Kaiser Gates. This year you have Najee Marshall, Quinn Gooden, who's banking in threes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is fine <laughs> from the side. Like that needs to be that needs to be prefaced. Like that wasn't a I mean, straight. He, a top you just of don't key. have you don't have the outside shooters this year, which I completely understand. Last year, I think their inside presence was much better than it is this year because O'Mara had the opportunity to get fouled while he was going to the basket, which I don't think you see a lot with Hankins. A lot of his points come off dunks off Ollie Oops. And Jones, I love him, but he just doesn't have the moves in the post to be that skill set yet. And it could change next year, but I think that's a huge issue because if you don't have the inside game where if you give them the ball, you know they're going to score, then what incentive does that provide the defense to double down and... Something that that is interesting about last year's team, because we talked so much about Amara, and we'll move on from Xavier shortly, but last year there was such a, on in fans' minds and on message boards and things like that, like, how are you going to play three bigs? How are you going to get Tyreek time? How are you going to get Karam time? How are you going to get... How much would we love to have that problem this year where there was another guy that did something different? Yeah. Like... Yeah, I mean, Tyreek and... Yeah. Hankins are the same player. Yeah. The, the, the same skill set. Yeah. Changing subjects a little bit, still on Xavier. The other thing I think is I think our expectations may have been too high for two sophomores coming in this year. I mean, I think you look at – so let's go back and look three years ago when 
when Blewett is arguably our best player as a sophomore, and then you, you have Ed as a sophomore and Makura as a sophomore, and that team was obviously very good. They end up as a two seed. Um, but if you look at that roster construction, yeah, your stars are sophomores, but you also have James Farr, who has an incredible senior year. You have Jalen Reynolds, who has a good junior year. Like you have, you have Remy Abel, who is a senior that's a lockdown yep. defender. You have upperclassmen leadership. Davis on that team? D. Davis, D. Davis, D. Davis graduated the year before. Uh, well, they yeah. want to cheat out because of D. Davis. I just want yeah, to bring that up. we're not throwing any credit to D. Davis <laughs> I am. right now. But you look at, at that team and, and this team, and it's like, yeah, we expect so much out of Najee Marshall and so much out of Paul Scruggs and sophomores. Totally. I agree with you, but like I don't think that the hype thing is completely on us. Like there were people that were national media and local coverage were tweeting and writing and saying that Najee Marshall is going to be a star. Yeah, and he still could be. There's plenty of time. He's only a, a freshman and a half or a sophomore. I was gonna say like, I think he will be. I think it's just God. He looks not bad sometimes. Year. I know, but I think I think it's there. I, I think him and Scruggs will be. I think You've they've got a Scruggs good class coming in next year. They'll, I think they'll be very good next year. The honestly, the biggest concern for me is not Scruggs and, and Marshall. They're going to be there. What in the world is going on with Quentin Gooden? We got he's got to get back on track. Yep. If if they want to be back in the tournament next year, and a, a competitor to win a game or two in the tournament. You need Quentin Gooden to play better. Without a doubt. I agree. With, well, there's a lot that has happened since we last recorded, so we can sit and talk about a lot of things. I think the next time we get together, maybe we'll talk a little bit less of what's happened this year with Xavier and maybe a little bit more into the future because there is a very exciting class coming in for X next year. But we'll transition. There's two local pro sports teams that are really both having great off-seasons and for different reasons – but I guess we'll jump right into the Bengals and we'll talk about the offseason that they've had so far. No official hire has been named yet, but it seems like it's pretty much an assumed deal that Zach Taylor is going to be the next head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And he's not Marvin Lewis 2.0. No. He's, he's not Hugh Jackson. He's not Vance Joseph. He's not Bill Lazor. He's not... All these other people that had something to do with the the Marvin Lewis quote unquote coaching tree or being in the building or whatever. It's just a whole new idea, like it was when Marvin came here. And that turned out pretty good for a while. So thoughts on Zach Taylor and the staff that he is reportedly assembling. I mean, I like it. As a Bengals fan, as someone who, you know, Born in 1987, I saw the end of the 90s and remember it well. I think it's a good hire from doing something different. I think the thing that I worry about is there was eight head coaching opportunities this year. Zach Taylor was interviewed for one, as far as we know. Yeah. And he got it. And and and, and everything that we've read says it was the guy that yeah. like, he blew people away. And but he only not, interviewed one team. You know, not that that's a huge issue. I mean, it could be, it could be nothing. But I think that's interesting to me is that the Bengals are going for 
someone who didn't really have any other offers from anybody else. At the end of the day, I like the hire in terms of it's a young guy. It's where the league is going in terms of young, offensive-minded. It's a QB coach who has done very good things with Jared Goff, who has a similar skill set, I think, to Andy Dalton. Well, he looked like a bust under Jeff Fisher. I think if you can compare the two, I mean, I think they're – Fairly similar in terms of what they can do, and I, I think I think they they made their a good a good choice in terms of who they hired. I have the hiccups right now. So. We, need, we need to give Matt a little break here. Take it <laughs> over right. there, Chase. So Straight no chaser. Say, <laughs> this is what I would say. For as optimistic as I am, typically about Xavier and their path forward, like I'm always confident that if they're having a bad year, they're going to bounce back next year. They're going to be good. The Bengals on the complete opposite. I've been watching for now 31 years, and I've seen just garbage and garbage and garbage. And they've had good years, but then they get to the playoffs and they just completely melt down. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a great hire. Maybe it's an awful hire. I really have no idea. No way to tell until, until they actually start playing games. But I think it is... It's great that they didn't go with the Hugh Jackson or Vance Joseph or, or the Marvin Tree. So and we could have been having it like if we did a podcast in mid December, we could have been, we would have been, we would have been assuming the fact that, that it was Marvin be would be back. Yeah, well, that's true. And we're yeah. at least not there. Yeah. And then so the other the other dominoes that we would have been completely freaking out about, Hugh. Being that top yeah. domino, but then and and I mean Vance Joseph might become Bill Belichick after he left the Browns. Like yeah. there's no, I'm not saying that he isn't, but the city, the fans, everyone just needs new yeah. blood, new life, new. And I, I don't know how you guys feel, but I just look and and I I'm to the point with the Bengals where like until something changes with the Brown family and, and they change the way that the front office and the organization runs, I'm just not certain that it really matters who the coach is. See, I think it has, though, this time. A little bit. And I, and, I mean, I don't remember the, the last time that Marvin Lewis was hired. But the fact that Duke Tobin is so well, involved... Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. The last time that Marvin Lewis was hired was like a year ago because he had a contract extension. <laughs> and the last time he was hired before that was like two years ago because he got Miller a contract really And then the last time that That's he got fine. hired. <laughs> That's fine. But the first time uh, he got hired. He was initially hired. Duke Tobin was, he had not, hired like nine Duke Tobin was not involved in the process. Very fair. And if you listen to our friend Paul Daner Jr., who's been on this podcast yeah. before. You know, and big his, fan of Marvin Lewis and his uh, <laughs> Bengals beat podcast yeah. that came out. I think it was yesterday. They talked about it and the fact that they went out that they went outside the organization. They went with somebody who's new, who's young, who is completely different than anything else. And the fact that Duke Tobin was involved in the actual hi- hiring of this coach, I think, is a big deal. I think it's a very encouraging, and, but, but, but it's just a after big, thirty years, like it you is. Got, just, you got to have some. It's just a big. You know? We'll see. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, sure. it is, you know, he's a Sean McVay guy. Sean McVay took what three years to get to the Super Bowl. So, and hey, we're not I don't ex- want a Super Bowl. I just want a playoff. We're man. not expecting a Super Bowl in three <laughs> we're years. Sitting here in three years, <laughs> and we're talking about a Super Bowl or a playoff when it's a W, yeah. and it's more than Marvin accomplished in his. 
longest, second longest tenured coach in the NFL at the time that he was let go. Marvin's been the coach. His tenure was more than half my life. <laughs> yeah. Just to put that in perspective. No, yeah, you, were you guys in high school when Marvin was hired? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were freshmen. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, I mean, That's it's a, scary. It's a, <laughs> it's a big change, and I think it's going to be good. I think. The other thing that I think that could be taken from, and this isn't quite the transition that we were going to go to because we're not going to get there yet, but if there's new ways to look at things from an analytics standpoint, from like one of the things that we've seen a lot from Sean McVay is being aggressive offensively yeah. and going for things, and that's one thing that we never saw from Marvin Lewis was until, until his last, last two three weeks games. Of the season. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, local personality, radio personality said that 55 yard field goal that was made in the, uh, I don't even know which game it was. There was a long field goal that was made in the two tight. It was the Rams. They kicked the 57 yard to the wing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, Marvin would have punted. He's probably right. He would have. Right? Yeah. Because if, if they miss it, then the other team yeah. needs 10 yards to, to get into their field goal range and they would have actually kicked it. So, even if it's just a, a different mindset of being a little bit more aggressive and no, not. I think it's great. I, I I really do think it's a very a very good situation for the Bengals because I think they have I I do think they have the young talent in terms of Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, AJ Green's not young, but he's going to be good for another couple years. Yeah, they're going to re-sign Eifert. I would assume. Let's not. Yeah. But I, mean, I, I would assume they're going to re-sign him. I agree. And he's not young, but I would assume they're going to re-sign him. And so the, the offense is there. There's a where, couple spots on the offensive line you probably want to shore up a little bit. But the offensive line, if, they did a great job. They yeah, let that they coach they go. They did a very good job. They, did, they let him go, but they let him go for a reason. Because I, I would assume they have somebody in place to come bring him in. Well, and that's probably Bill Callahan, yeah. who is regarded as one of the better offensive line coaches yeah. in the country. Without a doubt. And you have his son as the offensive coordinator, so that's weird, but like <laughs> I mean I, there's there's talent there's talent there offensively. There is, and there is defensively too. Like do you talk about a Jesse Bates who is a rookie this year had a really nice yeah. first season. William Jackson yeah. like and I think that William Jackson kinda got screwed a lot of his pro football focus numbers were skewed by the defense that they were running. Like they need, he's the kind of corner that you want to put on an island, yeah. And you don't need to give him a ton of help. But they're, I don't think it's a stretch to say that their defensive line underperformed this year. Their linebackers are awful, awful. And the offensive line, what do you have on the offensive line that you want to keep other than Billy Price? And Billy Price, you don't even really know what you've got. I don't think Billy Price was great. I think that. He had an up and down rookie year, but I think around him you could, and this that's that's the other reason why I'm really excited to see a new coaching staff yes. and a new team of evaluators yeah. because maybe Christian Redman or no Alex Redman Christian Wester, Westerman yeah. who has great numbers based on Pro Football Focus yeah. is a guy that they'll actually put in. Yeah. Maybe they'll stop putting Alex Redman out there that gets at least a penalty or a false start. A game, and always does it on fourth and inches. Yeah, yeah. But I think the Bengals—they—they like you said—they have. I think they have talented skill position players. Um, I'm sure we could sit here and talk about Andy Dalton for two hours, but we're not going to do that. But the problem is in the NFL, you you need to have skill position players. 
But you're not going to win if you don't have players in the trenches, and the Bengals don't have the players right now. I, I, I agree that the defensive line underperformed, but I think that Geno had a solid to slightly, slightly below below Geno year. I think that Dunlap was solid. Is he 30? He's If he's not, he's pushing 30. Like, he is. How much does he have left in the tank? I know, but he's, I mean, Aaron Donald's still doing great things, and I think Geno still has a lot left. You also have Sam Hubbard, who was great this year as a, as yep. a rookie. You have Carl Lawson, who didn't get a chance to do that much this year because he got injured. Yep. So you got ends right there, plus Carlos Dunlap, who is locked up for a few more years. And I think last year was probably Michael Johnson's last year as a yeah, Bengal. Yeah. And so, but there's I, I'm excited about freaking Sam Hubbard. Like, yeah, like that yeah, he, he dominated at times. Absolutely. But so, to me, they I mean, you have to address the offensive line. You have to address. You can never have enough defensive line depth, and the linebacking core has got to be resolved. And well, and I think you thing. look at what's frustrating is they've tried to address those areas the last three or four years in the draft. How many linebackers have they taken in the third and fourth round totally. in the last four years? Yeah. And none of them have panned out. That's huge. And and, and they completely whiffed on Obwehi and, the, and Jake Fisher yep. in the first and second round in 2000. Yeah, was that I mean, 14, right before they let Witt walk? They missed some of this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Linebackers got to be, I would think, round number one this year. Is If you can get a guy like Devin White from yep. – LSU or right tackle I think eleven. Just, yeah. I think if you can get somebody like that, you go get him, and you figure like the offensive line really wasn't that bad towards the end of the year. Once they figured out the scheme, yeah, whatever it may be, they weren't that terrible towards the end of the year. I mean, Mixon still led the league in rushing. Yeah, but I think a lot of that is Mixon is. Extremely talented. Well, that's but I want to see, and I want to see Bixon use more in space. Like I want to see him, yeah. whether it's split out wide yeah. or whether it's getting him the ball on a screen. And and we didn't talk about when we talk about young players. We didn't talk about John Ross, who I wouldn't call his sophomore campaign disappointing because he's you can't. He had, he had twenty catches, but he had like eight. Yeah. So like, I'd love to see somebody that has an offensive mind get their hands on him and see what he can do. The guy I want to see to figure to figure it out is Geo. Like what? Geo, who? Geo might be on the the downside. I don't know. Right, he very well very well could be, but like in terms of what we were just talking about, like John Ross, the kind of afterthought in the offense. Right. But Geo should be. He's your RB number two. Like you got to figure out what you're going to do there. You have to have somebody of skill who's going to be a backup to Mixon. And Geo should be that guy because he does have the talent to do it, at least on third down. I agree, but well, Mixon's, Mixon's skill set makes me not want him off the field. But here's what's On third funny. down. Yeah. Okay, the, the last half of the year, you have no A.J. Green. You have the last two games, yeah. you have no Tyler Board. You have no Tyler Effort. You have no Tyler Croft. Like, they're completely depleted. Like, why is Giovanni Bernard not playing 75% of the snaps and you line him up somewhere else? It doesn't matter if you're not handing him the football. Get him on the field. I yeah. agree. I agree. He's a threat. Yeah, I agree. So maybe Zach Taylor will, will be able to do that. I don't know. Um, but I agree it's great that we – Marvin was stale. Marvin should have been gone, if not last year, at least – at least last year, maybe a couple years before, but um, 
hopefully Taylor can get it together and uh, bring some excitement. We'll see. Yeah. Well, speaking of excitement, the next one. Th- one last okay, comment. Go on ahead. That. All right. Hopefully, Tubbs is nowhere in his consideration for for uh, position on the south. So <laughs> <I'm gonna say. laughs> uh, if that if that were to leak in the media right now, I feel like all excitement in the fan base would just be like, "What?" Like, yeah, yeah that'd be that'd be bad. But then. All the people that were upset about him getting the job, he would say, "Get a job, get a job." Like, yeah, he's yeah, that guy. Yeah, he would. He absolutely <laughs> yeah. would. He said it before. Uh, so, speaking of excitement, we'll move on to maybe the most exciting off season of recent local teams. History. Yeah, well, definitely recent history for that team, but of local uh, professional teams, the Cincinnati Reds have made some moves and are markedly. Better. Yeah. They're better. I don't know what that means. They might still finish in last place or fourth place, but they're better. I think they'll be interesting throughout the year. I think they'll be at least in the conversation. Totally. I think that they're uh, – and, and they're not done, according to – if you believe what Dick Williams has said, that they're he not done. He hasn't lied to us yet, has he? No. He keeps saying they're not done, and then he keeps doing cool shit, and he's done some cool yeah, shit. He's done some cool Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I like – a lot of people have – been down on some of the moves because they're they're only one year deals and that precludes the move for Sonny Gray who they didn't do the deal with until they signed him to an extension and that's a risk I get it but they're paying about 10 million bucks after this year for right. Sonny Gray who's getting seven and a half this year for to reunite a guy with his college coach and a lot has to go right but the chance of that we're not point. talking yeah exactly we're not talking about a Homer Bailey that's getting right. 18 million, 20 million. Like, let's not freak out about the money that he's getting paid, and the upside is there. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, I think they've there. they've all the moves they've made have been high upside. So Sonny Gray has had what a tough last year and a half at in, with the Yankees. But his splits, like people say, he can't pitch in the small ballpark because of Yankee Stadium. He's pitched. His splits are fine on the road. He just hasn't pitched well at Yankee Stadium, but he has pitched well in smaller ballparks on the road. Right. So there's people. There's a long list of people that can't deal with New York. Yeah. And freaking Randy Johnson right. is on that list. So, well, and I also just look at, like, Okay, you get him for a reasonable price if he bounces back anywhere close to what he's been for the next four years. And, and even if he doesn't, even if he's just a 500 pitcher, what starting pitchers are going for, still a reasonable price. And what did you give up for him? You gave up Shedlong. Okay, who cares? He's blocked by yeah. Scooter, Nick Senzel, maybe Jonathan India. Maybe Jonathan India, yeah. Like, he's, he's not going to be a major league player for the Reds. And then you gave up a draft pick, which in Major League Baseball, it's like, well, yeah, who really cares? Um, so I, I like that move. I like the Alex Wood move and, and, and with the Dodgers. I mean, really anything you could do to get rid of Bailey's contract was amazing. But the fact that you turned that into Alex Wood, Puig, and really those those two are the, the headliners. Kemp, yep. you had to take. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I Right now, I hope that they would be able to re-sign Wood to a multi-year deal. And then going forward, you have Gray, Wood, Castillo, 
DeSclafani and some other young pitchers, and maybe next year when some of these other guys come off the books, if you decide we're not going to try to re-sign them, maybe you go out and get a free agent pitcher and sign them to a three- or four-year deal, and, and then you have that bona fide ace plus hopefully a couple number twos and number threes. I think Luis Castillo was a major disappointment last year, but really when you break down the numbers, he was only a disappointment in the first half of the year. And he was he had a 263 ERA the second half of the year. One of the reasons that you and I were so wrong about our predictions is because Luis Castillo <laughs> was so bad the first half of the yeah. year. But if if he like people in Cincinnati have been talking a lot about you gotta go get a one, you gotta go get a one, you gotta go get a number one. You might have a one who's twenty freaking four years old and yeah. he's been with you already and he's shown the ability and he has the stuff yeah. to be a one. Well and, and the other thing is, okay, so the reason the Reds were so awful last year was obviously their pitching was horrible. But their offense was pretty good and their offense has gotten better. Mm-hmm. By subtracting subtracting Billy Hamilton and adding big, big yeah. Kemp, like, and hopefully Nick Senzel. And right? Nick Senzel is going to be at some point a factor if he isn't traded in the next. So, and maybe not for the playoffs. This doesn't work, but we're not. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, right? Totally. So for a 162 game season, if you have an offense that can score four and a half to five runs a game, how good does your pitching staff really have to be? Especially when you have. We think they're going to have a, a strong bullpen coming back, and maybe they're going to sign one or two more guys in the bullpen before spring training. That that'll be an impact arm. I, I'm excited. I think yeah. they're they're going to be. I'm not saying that they're going to win the division or going to be a wild card, but they should be in contention. Yeah. At least interesting through August, I would think. Go up and down the lineup. You want to talk about new age baseball, new age stats? Go up and down the lineup. And there's two guys in the lineup that seemingly would have a average on-base percentage or I. And you're looking at Scooter Jeanette, who... Who's driven 100 <laughs> runs the last two years. Right. And Jose Peraza, who never walks, but also always makes contact and doesn't right. strike out. Then the only other guy that you're looking at is Shebler, who actually has a good approach and hits the ball hard. Puig... Winker, per, uh, Suarez, Joey Votto wow. is the ultimate king of on-base percentage and approach. Yeah. And Nick Senzel is that in waiting. Yeah. And then Tucker Barnhart, who doesn't have, he had, took a little bit of a step back offensively last year, but also still displayed good on-base percentage numbers. Like, you got an offense that could get on-base as a team yeah. at 350. Yeah, if you know. take out this pitcher, like maybe 340, 330. Uh, I mean, they made themselves drastically more interesting, but it's just. That and bat flips from Puig and like being hated. I'm which... so excited to watch Puig play yeah. at Great American. I cannot wait. Absolutely. Yeah, I really wish that they would find a way to sign Puig and, and Wood to extensions, but I, I'm sure those guys are going to want to test the free agent market. And, and the ultimate. Other downplay or not downplay the other, the other side of this coin is you traded Josiah Gray and Jeter Downs for those three guys that are on expiring deals. If you trade any, if 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 the season just gets completely off the rails and a bunch of people get hurt and 
knock on wood, it's not those guys. Yeah. You could still turn those guys into yeah. other guys. Right. Or Tanner Roark, which we didn't talk about, into other guys at the deadline to completely replenish what you gave up. Yeah. So there is literally no downside. I don't see yeah. it. No. No, I don't either. I mean, I think they've done a great job. So three three comments. One, I read John Fay said that uh, Tanner Roark's war last year was over four. The red starting pitching staff was one point one. <laughs> so that that just tells you like that's just one guy and they got two other guys. The the second point I would make is so they've made they've made these moves and these moves have been awesome, right? But we haven't even talked about what may be the most important moves they've made this offseason, which is David Bell, and then they find a way to hire Derek Johnson away from the Huge. the Brewers, yeah. and they find a way to hire Turner Ward away from yeah. the Dodgers. Like, Seriously. What? How does that happen? Yeah. The Reds have lost 90 games four years in a row. How do you get arguably the best hitting coach and arguably the best pitching coach or one of the best pitching coaches in the National League to come to your team. And you trade for Yasiel Puig, who could have been a nightmare coming into a situation where he's in the middle of the United States of America. He doesn't know what's happening in this city, but now he's thrilled to be here because his favorite hitting coach that he's ever worked with is here, and he's excited, and he's going to I mean, the guy, I think his career high in home runs is 28, playing in a cavernous Dodger Stadium. The guy could hit 35 home runs this year. And if Votto gets back to his typical power numbers, which he seems to think he can, I don't know. This team could be very interesting. So my question is, if they can make one more move this offseason before spring training or before the season starts, what do you want it to be? I would say, oh, that's tough. Uh, I would say sign AJ Pollock. I think that's that's my initial reaction too. But what I'm interested in is is what are their plans for Nick Senzel? If Nick Senzel is going to be their center fielder, and depending what their payroll max is, so what I've heard is they're at about 120 right now, and they were saying 130, 135. So you probably can't sign a Keuchel. But let's just say they go, all right, well, we'll take it to 140, or that's a possibility. I would say, screw it. Kick D. Sclafani to the bullpen. Let's sign Keichel, and let's see what really happens, what which you, probably isn't realistic. What if you go all, all in this year, though, right? And you get, let's say you go out and get Real Muto or whatever yeah. his name is from the Marlins. Then you have your lineup at that point. I mean, Barnhart's been good, but if you get Real Muto, you got a leadoff hitter, and you're set. Yeah. Then, do you trade somebody like a Stenzel or whoever it may be? Pronounce it T. It's just a Nessie. Whatever it is. I don't care. But, <laughs> He's still thinking about the Bengals. <laughs> but do you go get Kluber? Yeah. And you just go all in I this year. I don't want to give up. There's one guy, and I like... And I, d- you don't go all in this year because if you can get a guy like Real Muto to be your leadoff hitter, catcher, your lineup is set from sick. top to bottom. It's sick. It's nasty. Yeah. I agree. You're missing an ace yeah. at this point That's from true. being, but from really, from really legitimately being a contender. But to get both, 
They can do it though. You have the you have the weapons to get both. You got to give up. But some young. Guys. I don't mind, and like I think that Nick Senzel could be a great, great, great player. I don't have a problem giving him up. The guy that I that I'm clinging to, two guys, but Taylor Trammell, I think is going to be a superstar. And he's an outfielder, and the Reds' outfield is... He's their 2020 center fielder, I think is how they're looking at it. And he doesn't have a great arm, so yeah. But yes, I agree. They also have Soho Siri, who is more, who is less consistent, mm-hmm. but also has all the tools in the world. But I also don't want to give up Hunter Green for anything, because you don't yeah. trade Justin Verlander when he was 19. Right. Like, you don't. Agree. Sure. Because that guy comes back, and, and Josiah Gray... If he becomes a great pitcher, it is what it is. He played shortstop most of his college career, and they figured out at the end he could pitch. So yeah, that's not a thing. But like, they also traded a guy named Jeter, which I had <laughs> different feelings about. First name Jeter, uh, which well, you know, I just there could think be it's interesting. We like you always think, well, this guy is in the minor leagues. Like, yeah, what's he gonna be like? We might as well get the proven commodity, but. Then you always hear the story about how the Reds, back in 2005 or six or whenever it was, were, were possibly in contention and they had the chance to go get Eric Bedard from, I think, the Mariners or the Orioles. Yeah. And in order to complete that deal, they were going to have to trade Joey Votto. Yep. And they said, no, we're not trading him. And look how that's turned out. Right. So it's, it's just... You're always going to have those decisions, though, right? right. Jay Bruce I mean, was once the number out. one like, minor league baseball player. My thing is, if yeah. you can ever, if not, you I mean, feel the, good yeah. about yeah. having a chance to win this year, you have to go for it, in my opinion. Like, you only have so many chances to win a championship. and if I can't you, mortgage the future uh, beyond this year. I can't. But now, if you can go out and sign Real Mito, right? And let's just say. Well, you got to trade for him and you got to trade for Kluber. That's fine. But if you can go out and get Real Muto, and you got your leadoff hitter is now done, right? And your lineup from one to eight is pretty much set. And I think we'd all agree that at that point, it's pretty legit. It's pretty nasty. For real. If you can get a solid ace for this year. And there's only then you, 10 of them right. in baseball. But Corey Kluber is one of them. Is, is one of them. And if you can go get him, yeah, I think you kind of have to do it. Because at July 28th, whatever it may be, whatever the trade dollar, it's probably the 31st. It is yeah. the end of the month. <laughs> Football uh, guy. <laughs> Football guy. But whenever it is, you have, if you're not in contention and whatever it may be, then, all right, you have Kluber to deal. You have. Well, you're not going to deal Kluber because he has Kluber. two right. years left on his deal, right. but okay. you could. But you have. Quaid the deal. You have Wood the deal. You have Kemp the deal. You have Roark the yeah, deal. I don't know that. Yeah. You have these yeah. guys to deal, and Kemp, I still don't think is going to be here by the time the season starts. But I agree. But you got to pay some of the salary probably. Right, there. That's fine. Yeah. But if you have a chance to go win it's now, bad though. If you have a chance to go win now, yeah. I, like I don't understand how you don't go do that. That just doesn't make sense to me because Vado is not getting any younger. And his years aren't getting any better. And he's only got a couple years left where he's going to be in. I agree. The I, sense, like, I, I just, disagree because the sense that I can make of that is if you give up Hunter Green, Nick Senzel, Jonathan India, and... What are you mortgaging that for? Uh, if you give up that, 
and you don't you're mortgaging nothing for nothing here's what i would say those players have value those players have sure. hundreds of millions of dollars well, of value, value and they haven't they done it they haven't proven anything i know but if you give up all of that there's two reasons why you you're can't not have to give up all of that to get kluber you but to get you have to get him and Trammell or Real Muto plus somebody You're else. Rid of, and then to get Real Muto, yeah, you probably got to give up the other one. Sure. So but as far as I know, the Reds are still eager to get Real Muto before the end of before spring training starts. And I think that's cooled a little bit, but I think they're in the. I think they're in the. Yeah, mix. I don't know. I think uh, they're everybody like just like the free agent market. They're waiting for the price to drop. They yeah. played everything it's smart like, so that, far. That, I'm that not, like, I'll give them I mean, credit. They've done a great job. But I just think if you have a chance and you think you can go get it this year, well, I guess I my think you have to is, do it because right. if you think you can get it this year with Votto at this time in his career, but Votto isn't you, Michael Jordan. Okay, Votto isn't but LeBron. He's, okay, but he's if you good can, enough to the aspect that you can't wait two years from a, from a starting pitching perspective. In my opinion, though, I, I mean I don't know from a starting just, pitching perspective. Though, if you can go out and you can get Corey Kluber, and you'll have him for three years. Or you can go out and sign Keuchel for three or four years for similar money, and you don't have to give up Nick Senzel or whoever. Why wouldn't you do that? I understand Kluber's been better. Based on what they traded for this year, though, I feel like you kind of... They haven't traded anything. But they They have the players, though, to go win this year is all I'm saying. Like They traded for players that can win this year. So if you have an opportunity to win this year, if you have that opportunity and you think you do, and I don't, clearly I don't know, I don't follow baseball like these guys do, but if you think you have the opportunity to win this year, you've traded for guys that have rounded out your lineup one to eight. I think for the most part, yeah. one to eight. You've traded out your pitching staff for the most part, or you've traded the round out of your pitching staff two to five, and you're one guy short of being a legitimate contender. Then I think it's kind of worth it to go get that guy to to go all in for one sixty two, and and if it doesn't work by game eighty, then you can get rid of these guys. You can get rid of four of them, and you can get decent prospects back if. Right. Puig has a decent half. If Kemp, who, again, is a big if, if he's still here, if they're still here and they're having decent years, which I think they will in Great American Ballpark, that you can go out and get guys to fill in gaps that will be either trade pieces or whatever it may be for part of your future. But if you have a chance to win now based on giving up Homer Bailey in this offseason and that's all you've done, He's a free agent, by the way. They could sign him. But But that's all you've done this season so far, and you've made your team, I think we'd all agree, you've made your team exponentially better. Absolutely. And I think you're probably one legitimate ace away from being not the favorite in the Central, but a contender. If you get Corey Kluber. If you can go get Corey Kluber for... And Real Muta, I think you are the favorite. I think then you have to do it for... I, I, I just think you only get so oh, many no. chances to win a championship. And if you mortgage the future a little bit, then that's okay. But if you have that opportunity to go do it, I think you have to. You're mortgaging the future a lot, though. 
It's not. Yeah, a you don't know that because would you have said at, the, at this time last year that they would have got these players for Homer Bailey and that's it so far? And I know that's not who, all they who they've given it's up. It's a salary swap. I understand, but it's it's different because they haven't given up any prospects other than Shedlong, who. Yeah, he's a top ten prospect in the organization, but a prospect is a prospect until they're good. Yeah. So like, and then they give up. They at gave some up, point, you have to give up prospects to get better. They gave up yeah. like a number six, like, and then they've also given up like a depending on who I'm you look saying, at, a nine and a thirteen there, or a ten. There's a and reason a that 12. you pay. There's a reason that he paid Joey Votto two hundred and forty million dollars yeah. or whatever it is, and you're running at the end of that contract. And if you have a chance to go win a championship, then I think you have to. To go do it. If you think, if you actually think that you have the players to do it, then you actually need to go do it. Is all I'm saying. And I think that they're close. And if you can get an ace, if you can get a solid number one, who you know every five days, that is, might be the difference between winning the central. Nice. I mean, that might be the difference. And all you need. I think you could win guy. the central. I think you'd win the central with Kluber and without Real Muto. And that's fine. And yeah, you don't need to do both. I'm just saying could, if you have the chance to do I don't, it, yeah, you I don't give think up you want to Senzel and Trammell. I think I could be comfortable fine. with moving one of them. Yeah. I don't think you want to move both. And honestly, I, I would disagree and say Senzel is closer, so he can help this year. So let's see if they take Trammell and, and let's get Corey Kluber. Well, that's fine. But I, I I'm just more infatuated with his ability. Yeah. If you're this close, quote the thing unquote, about Kluber, close though, if, if Kluber was, was a one year rental, I would not be in for this. But Kluber, totally. they would have him for three years. In a club option? If you're, if you're that close. I think it's two years in a club option. I think it's two years in a club option. If you're that close to being competitive. Just go all in now with these guys that you have. If it doesn't work by July, you can flip a lot of them for a lot of prospects, which nobody wants to give up prospects. But Stanzel and Trammell are still prospects. And I would be baseball. And they're, they're still prospects. That's they the other proven that's, anything. That's the other part and of so the, you, you this have, discussion. Is you just so I, I, I think. Yeah, they're just prospects, but I mean that's still a major factor in this, right? Is that like Tyler Chamel has not Tyler Chamel, right? Taylor Chamel, Taylor Chamel, yeah. Tyler Stevenson has not done anything yet at the big league level. Yeah. Fact. Um, whoever they just traded to get Shed Long, Shed Long yeah. hasn't done anything, and yeah, they're ranked high. But like, if you want to compete, I feel like you can't just keep trading prospects. Like, you can get rid of prospects all day long and get players back. You have to figure out, all right, this prospect isn't going to cut it or it's not going to work out, whatever it may be. And you get what you can for him. At one point, and Robert point, Stevenson had a ton of prospect yeah, value, like, and he's it, nothing just, now. It, so did Cody Reed. Like, the prospect thing doesn't yeah. really work for me. In fact, like, you, you can't. But Judge. prospects have never had a higher value than they do in today's game until, because their people aren't spending money on free until agents. Until they're good, like what good is a prospect? It I, doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't think you can be scared to get rid of prospects, and that's what I think this year's. I, but you can't trade away the farm. You can't, and they haven't. They haven't to get to where they are right now, and that's all I'm saying is they haven't traded away the farm to get to where they are right now, which 
in theory, based on what we've seen and based on what we think their lineup is going to be, is not all that far away from being a competitive team in this division. So, if you have a chance to win this division, and if you win the division, you automatically get three games, or not automatically, but you, in theory, you get three games at home in the playoffs. If you think you're that good, then I think you do whatever you can right now to win this division. And if and, you win the division, you obviously bring Marvin Lewis in as a special yes, absolutely. to coach. Special the- teams coordinator all day long. <laughs> you bring him in. Base running, assistant, I, I mean, to the assistant. I think if you have a chance to Where win does this, you fit in this picture? If you have a chance to win this division, why don't you just go for it right now? Because who knows? In two years, you're going to be in the same situation where all right, Vado's older, the prospects haven't worked out to where you are, to where you think they're going to be, but you know that you have a decent lineup right now. We've gamed on go prospect. We've gamed on prospect pitchers to get where we are right now. Cody Reed hasn't worked out. Robert Stevenson hasn't worked out. Amir Garrett's in the bullpen. Michael Lorenzen's in the bullpen. Sal Romano still a question mark. Tyler Molly, I think, still has a lot of upside, and I really like him. Uh, I think the positional players, though, have worked out really well. So Now, most of them have been acquired via trade, but Jose Peraz has been good. Suarez has been really yeah. good. Well, and that's to, to your point. Jesse Winker has been good. Matt, healthy. Yeah, to your point, Matt. Prospects turn into things, and uh, Yonder Alonso, uh, Brad Boxberger, and Yasmani yes, Grandel yeah. were traded for Matt Latos. Matt Latos was a very good red. Yeah, he was a Which, very good red. Those three guys all have appeared in an All Star game since, but. But None I, of them have been consistently. I would, say, I would still All-Stars. do that trade because that yeah. trade put the Reds in a position where they won the division in 2012. Like, and, and honestly, they yeah. they should have done better than they did in the postseason. But what I would say is is this: I would be willing if I was the Reds. I'm willing to part with some of those top level prospects for legitimate major league players if I have control over those major league players. So for three years of Corey Kluber. Based on what they've done so far, I and if I assume I can re-sign Alex Wood, I probably do it. For the Marlins catcher, I can never pronounce his name. Real Muto. Real, Real Muto. Yeah. I think he's only under control for this year and next year. Two years. So is he that much better than Tucker Barnhart? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean he's he's the best. He's the best catcher in baseball. The heart and soul of the Reds locker room. And he's from Brownsburg, Indiana. I just think if you. Look at the Reds' construction. He's also a former Gold Glover, and he has a good MVP. If you look at the construction of this team, you see that, all right, you got a lot of guys this year specifically on one-year deals that are going to play their asses off, you would think, for contractors. Like, Twig still has a chance to make a ton of money next year. Kemp still has a chance to make a little bit of money. I mean, he's not going to make a ton. (laughs) Alex Wood, if he has a good year, going to make a ton of money. Matt Kemp's playing on borrowed time. The other, uh, right, but uh, but the other guys, no, no, the other guys like, are absolutely right. These guys, especially in playing, today's free agent market, and there's not that ball, much money out and there. They're playing in a ballpark that is going to be so conducive to them when it comes to June and July. That except you, for Alex Wood, well, that's fine. But Puig, 
Yes. You can get a ton for him he, if he has a decent year. And he he's can not hit 35 plus. We talked well, about just, this. 30, he did yeah. 35 homers. I think we'd all agree that from probably three to five, they're pretty solid in terms of their pitching rotation. They're all threes. Yeah, they're, right? which is good. Except yeah. for maybe Castillo. Which is, which is good. Or, and which maybe is, Sonny Gray. And maybe Alex Wood. And maybe Gray. Sonny Gray. Yeah, which is what you want in yeah. a rotation, right? You right. want guys that could be a yeah. three on any other team in the world. Yeah. And if you're one guy short, and that's all I'm saying here, is if you're one guy short from a pitching perspective, and you think that's what it yeah. is. I don't you, disagree. You think you're short. Then I think you have to go get him this year, right now, and go for it all. And if it doesn't work, you know what? If you do it this year and you it doesn't work, shot. the fans here will appreciate it more than you could ever know. Right. Because you went for it this year. And I think that's all that you're looking for is you want your owners to be to go for it. To go for a win, right? Yep. To go for it all. And I think we all agree from one to eight in the order, they're pretty solid right now. And Very. they can compete with anybody. And from two to five, they're pretty solid. But they don't have an ace. Sonny Gray signing is great, but yeah, he can start on opening day, but he's not going to be a guy that you send out. He's not going to be a... It could be. We don't know. But but he's not going to be a... Right now, it's not. A Latos when he was in his prime. A Volquez. No, I mean, he is he that. Out and he's knew, not Johnny Cueto. when he pitched. He's not Roy Halladay. Congratulations to Roy on getting into his, his family and getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but he's not Pedro Martinez. He's not Corey Kluber. He's not Freaking Kershaw, who also was an ace but struggled in the postseason. But do you but think here, that's what they're missing? I guess that's what we're getting to. Well, down I to guess the the other what are they is, missing to be competitive in the Central? And I think it's an ace. Well, I don't know. It depends. How are they going to treat their starting rotation and their pitching staff? And are they are they, gonna, are they going to uh, use the bullpen? We didn't even talk about David Bell, who's yeah. the new manager. Like, how right. is that going to work? But I think they've done. They've make. They've made the steps to be competitive so far this year. Yeah, but they're not there yet. I think we'd all agree on that. Is that they're not there yet to be competitive with the Cardinals and the Cubs in this division? I think they're. I, I, think, they're, I, I think, think they're a piece away from being competitive. I think on the uh, on really the, competitive. Well, and but I think that piece could be Nick Senzel or it could be somebody else. We don't know. I think if if so you then at if that you point, where do you go? If you're, I mean, that's fine. And this is going probably going to go on a little longer than we wanted to, and that's fine. But like at that point, if it's Denzel or if it's Kluber, yeah, where do you go? Like how how do you how do you just how do you justify it? Well, because at some point you have to make a decision. Yeah, and they're running out of time because spring training starts in a month. At this point, I think if, and if you Kluber's still on the market, so if, if they decide do you go get him. If and they you go all in on pitching? Well, if they decide that Senzo is their guy, I think they have two options. Kluber's probably out of the picture. Sure. So you either can say, well, if Senzo's your guy, you're not going to go out and sign A.J. Pollock. So right. then your options are you can either go a little bit over what you think you want to do on your payroll and you can sign someone like Keichel, or you could try to sign Keichel, or... The other thing you could do is maybe you go out and, and you get there. I believe there are still some good bullpen arms out on the market. Maybe you go out and you sign two very quality bullpen arms. Also good options. And, and you say, I've got but is that a four waste? number three starters that I think are going to be 
at least at 500, and then I'm going to have just a, an unbelievable bullpen, and I'm going to have a starting eight that can score five runs a game. Uh, and and I'm going to get my a, starters to the sixth inning, and then I'm going to let my bullpen carry is me that a, Is that way. a good way to, uh, and I don't know, is that a good way to go in the ballpark you play 81 games in a year? Like, But if you can win games by thinking about things differently, this is like the thing that I've really struggled with as far as the Reds having talent when it comes to Stevenson, Reed, Romano, and others. Can they pitch three innings? Can they get through the rotation yeah. once and then use those guys and just do this whole thing untraditionally like like Derek Johnson did with, with the, Brewers. the Brewers last yeah. year when he started, quote-unquote, Miley, who pitched to like two guys in a playoff game. Right. And then pulled him. I don't even know if it was Miley. I just know like let's let's relook at the way that we're doing things. If you got a bunch of arms, let's use those arms. Let's put them in non-traditional roles. If guys can't get people out, they're not going to get people out. Yeah. But if guys can't get people out the second time through the lineup, then don't let them face guys the second time through the lineup. I'm all I'm completely on board with that. Yeah. With relooking yeah. and then especially when you have guys like Alex Wood who has thrown 160 to 175 innings a year. Tanner Rock always throw he's I mean shit. I just screwed that up. <laughs> but knock on wood throws over 200 innings a year like Bronson Arroyo used to do back in the day. I hope this table is as lucky as you say it is. <laughs> well, I mean, CWC. Shout out to our sponsors. Yeah, CWC. <laughs> just killing it. All right. We got to cut this short. There's so much more we can talk about as far as the Reds, the Bengals, the Muskies. We didn't even mention the Cincinnati Bearcats who have a solid squad this year and I mean their football team we didn't we glossed over their season yeah, too. Eleven and two. They had a real nice year. And then uh the freaking Next, we, these are all things we can cover on the next episode. Yeah, I mean, we have a freaking MLS team that's going to start. We do. And they've made a ton of moves. I don't know what any of them mean because <laughs> I don't know who these guys are. That, but that's that's Matt's part. Well, we're also missing one of our uh, – I, I don't know if I'd say I'd miss work, but we're missing uh, Jim Connor tonight. So we, we did see his dad at the Xavier game. <laughs> we're not sure what happened to him. I saw a doppelganger for yeah. sure. They have a show at the Tiger starting the PGA yeah. Tour tomorrow. I mean, PGA Tour season. We're just getting riled up for golf. We got to start making the bets. Real think, golf guys here. Yeah, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, I'm fairly certain I, I don't someone know what still I, owes me. Yep, Jimmy still Jimmy. owes me a handle. Of Somebody owes me something from the Reds. Yeah, prediction last year. Yeah. Somebody's gonna owe me something from the Red from the Xavier prediction this year. Uh, granted, there's still time. I hope I'm wrong, but You're not I'm not going to be wrong. So, But we didn't talk about Kaiser again. All right. I'm going to cut it off. Till next year. Ha! Till, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, hold hold on. on. Hold on. Super Bowl prediction. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the Super Bowl real quick. We had a, let's, we talk had about, a, let's talk about the playoffs for 10 minutes. We had a listener ask if our, next, if our next show is going to be a Super Bowl preview <laughs> because we haven't recorded a podcast and and yes it is and so yes you're right ben crack my last, bryant my i think is how you pronounce here. your last name ben bryant from uh i think it's southie 
in Boston. Oh, or maybe you're maybe it's South End. I don't know if you're Southie or South End. There's a difference there, I know. I don't know what it is though. But he asked if our next show would be a Super Bowl preview. This. And it is. Nailed it. Yeah. So yeah. congrats, Ben Brown. We'll send you a fucking koozie or something. Uh <laughs> Super Bowl predictions. Well, let's, can we back up for a second? Real quick. All right. we'll, we'll go 10 minutes on the playoffs here real quick. Matt's got a lot to say tonight. Uh, I think this is something that needs to be talked about. Is the uh, is the way the playoffs ended last week. Um, you guys want to talk about the Saints-Rams or the Chiefs-Patriots first? We want to go with? I just like to see Patrick Mahomes get the ball. All right, so we're going to go with that one first. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Can we all agree so the, Patriots the, the NFL has awful rules and awful enforcement of the rules that they do have? I don't know if that's true. I don't. I, I mean, uh, I don't know if you change the overtime rules. I'm going to be contrarian, shockingly, again. Shockingly? I agree. But what do you want them to do in the playoffs in the NFL? Because here's the thing. The Patriots converted, what, four third and tens on that drive? Yeah. Uh, you stop them once, you have a chance to win the game. And the fact that they ran the same play on three of those fourth, three of those third downs, I get which was it. a quick slant to Julian Edelman and Tony Romo called every yeah, single like, one of them. Stop them once. Yeah, is all I'm saying. I get that. So Patrick Mahomes Reham- also had a chance first and ten at the what twelve yard line. Hold on, the How- chance to win the game in regulation, and they throw it out of the end zone. And then they kick a field goal with 10 seconds left. They had plenty of time to run. Let's just talk about this. Regardless of the NFL playoffs, what overtime system do you prefer? What overtime system is more fun? The NFL overtime system or college football, high school football, peewee football that all share the same overtime format? That's like the NFL. You're an idiot. Well, I would actually just not choose any of those. And I would say... In the NFL, you Should play. we just flip a coin and whoever wins the coin no, toss automatically wins the game? Stop them! Play 15 minutes. Stop them. Yeah, Why? Give minutes. the other team a possession. Yeah. They don't. They didn't deserve it. That's like saying, all right, at the beginning of the game... It's completely different. At the beginning of the game, whoever wins the coin toss, if they get the ball and they go down and score, the game's over. No, it's not. Who, right. needs, who needs the rest no, of the not. game? That's not at all. It's completely different. I don't understand all you have to why do is the NFL stop will not time. will not go the Rams, to the college the football Rams playoff the format in, play, in the overtime. The Rams stopped the Saints in overtime and won the game, and we'll get to that game, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But the Rams stopped them and they won the game. It shouldn't have even been an overtime. That's fine, we'll but the Rams stopped them. The Rams stopped them and they won. And the fact that the Chiefs couldn't stop them, and they let the Patriots march down the field and convert three third and tens. Tells me all I need to know. That so let's I don't play, care. Let me play contrarian then. So let's say in the Rams Saints game, everybody's pissed off about the non-pass interference call. Sure. And let's say they go to overtime. Sure. The Saints lose the toss. Okay. The Rams get the ball, and the Rams march down to score, and the Saints don't even get a chance. Okay. To me, that's bullshit. Well, we. I mean, we, we obviously disagree. A, we on very, this. we very much disagree on the Ram Saints game, and we'll, we can get to that. But Here's like, the thing I'd say about stop him. Like I, I, I believed in I that. I don't understand that. Well, like, no, 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 I believed in that for a long time. But the the rules in the NFL have changed so much through the years, the and 
And the the league is now built on offense. So if you're going to build the league on offense, and you're going to say that this league is going to be marketed and everything sure. around right. offense, then to say stop them, I'm not on board with that. Three times on third and ten, they ran the same play and got the first down. I agree. And how good is Tony Romo? Is Figure, I mean, I, really that's all good. I'm saying. Is three times, really three good. times in overtime, they ran yeah. the same quick slant to Julian Edelman, and they couldn't stop it. So why do they deserve to get like what? What okay. did they? Okay. What so, do they deserve in that all instance? Right. So what if the what if the Chiefs win the toss and then they go down and score? That's fine. I don't care. I mean, all you have just, to do is all you have to do is ridiculous to me. It's Why does it make sense? Me. Why does it make sense in college that both teams get the ball to twenty five yard line? That doesn't make any sense. Kickers both are basically kickers, kickers are basically kickers are basically taken out at both that point. Both teams have an equal chance to win the game at that point. They have an equal chance. And if in you overtime. tie and if you tie, Actually, then you say, repeat it. And you do it again. If you go to overtime, you have a better chance if you're on defense first. Because if you stop them three times, you get the ball at midfield. Let's think about it this way. College so, basketball, you go to overtime. Whoever wins the different is sport. It, is it sport, whoever Brian. scores first wins? So if you win the tip I mean, and you score, it's game an, over? That's an asinine <laughs> argument because it's, it's, it's not. It's, it's the same it's fucking thing. It's the same thing. We're an hour and ten minutes uh, that, into the that, twelve minutes into the podcast. Different. And now it's getting as good it's as it's got. Where's but, Connor when we need him? It's completely completely different. It is it's it? completely different. Because the games are played differently. They are different sports. The games are played differently, but the fact yeah, is, okay. it's yeah. like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not siding, I'm not siding. What I want to say is, like, that the, I don't think that the system in college football is great because it takes special teams basically out of it. I think it is, like, it's exciting. Yes, it's exciting. Who cares about special teams? But I think that no one. the NFL system is also absolutely. That was a Marvin Lewis comment right there, Sox. I'm just going to say <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Ouch. I think the NFL <laughs> system's broken too because if you say just stop somebody, like, granted, if you if you just stopped somebody for the first 48 minutes of that game, you would have won the game the first time. So if if there's, I think the the concession that the NFL's made, I, the, one man's opinion, the concession that the NFL made. Years ago, when they changed sudden death to if you score a touchdown, it's over, versus kicking a field goal, the other team gets a chance. It should be both ways. If you turn the ball over, the fact is you're going to lose. And that's how games work anyways. If you turn the ball over, you're going to lose. So, that's... I mean, both games on Sunday went went to overtime. The Patriots, I just wanted to see more Patrick Mahomes. The Patriots won the toss and won the game. The Saints won the toss and lost the game. Like it, there's. It, it doesn't matter if you win or lose the toss. It doesn't matter if you get the ball first. The stats actually support the NFL. I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter this week, but the stats support the NFL. The team that plays first in the college system wins fifty-two percent of the time. Sure. The team that, or no, I got this back. The team that. Plays first in the NFL wins fifty two percent of the time, and then the team that plays, I, I don't second, know. 
yeah, in like college. It makes it like the fact is I'm the yeah. the advantage in the NFL is you receive the ball. The advantage in college is you play defense first. But the one that you think would be the uh, the advantage is not bourbon. I mean, it's just to me. The Chiefs had every opportunity to win that game. The Saints had every opportunity to win that game before it got to where it got, and they didn't get it done. I mean, okay, so let's my point or my comment that I was going to make before. Let's assume we're talking about baseball. Let's say instead of hey, you go to extra innings and and the visiting team gets to bat first, you flip a coin and whoever wins the coin toss gets to bat first, and if you score a run, then the game's over. Like it's just stupid. Like, there's, there's shit, both teams, you're playing, you're paying, the NFL I mean, is I centered around quarterbacks that are making hundreds of millions of dollars, and if you can't put them on the field and give them a chance to win the game for their team, then that's bullshit. So what is the point of the defense? Baseball kind of has a great well, system. I don't know, the NFL is essentially is trying to officiate the defense out of the game. But what is the point of the defense at that point? Because, like... Well, the point of the defense is hold them to a field goal, and then your quarterback can go score. Why does that matter? The they over. scored. It doesn't matter. Like what? What? A, what does a field goal matter? What? Like you go down and kick a field goal, and the other team scores a touchdown. Like what? What the fuck does that matter? We're running too long. You guys are super fired up. I love what's happening right now. There's there's so much freaking energy in the room, but we there's so much more to talk about. Obviously, because. I mean, there's just conversation going back and forth. So, my sports intoxication was brought to you by quite a few different bourbons and maybe a couple of ryes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and name Old Forester uh, 1870 as my sports intoxication. Miller Lite here. Miller Lite. And Miller Lite as well. Miller Lite. So we agree on beer, not much else. <laughs> so, signing off. We'll see you next time. Sports intoxication, maybe we won't make it six, seven months. Hopefully just a week. Maybe just a week. Maybe two weeks. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see Who you. Who knows? We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>